0: This is The Hidden Wire Podcast, episode 936, my interview with Shannon Huffman-Polson, discussing her new book, The Grit Factor. Enjoy. Hello, Shannon. Welcome to The Hidden Wire Podcast.
1: Thanks so much. It's great to be here with you.
0: I, um, I hope you can hear me okay. Is the audio coming through okay?
1: It's just great. Continent to continent. I love it.
0: Yeah, it just sounded a bit staticky or breaky there to me, but um, we'll we'll proceed anyway. whereabouts are you?
1: I live in Washington, North Central Washington state, pretty close to Canada in the Pacific Northwest of the US.
0: Okay. And has it all gone out of there for you guys? Pretty rough.
1: Uh, for a small community, so it's uh it's better than it is in in the big cities, I think, and we feel pretty fortunate for that, but it's it's pretty rough everywhere, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Yep. I, uh, have you got any involvement in, in that? Australia. Was-
1: uh, yeah, not not much. I mean, I think really it's we're all just trying to stay home and stay safe and um, maximize the opportunity to connect digitally, which has been a great, great opportunity, actually, in many regards.
0: Yeah. What have you found out of this uh, this situation, um, the pros or the cons or the learnings?
1: Well, the cons are I'm used to, to traveling for keynotes all the time across the country and um, and I really miss the chance to connect with people in person, for sure. But at the same time, the pros are that there are opportunities to connect in ways that uh, might not have happened otherwise, except that all of us are working remotely. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And the uh, the opportunity too then to develop the online offerings that I've had in the works for some time and now have a lot of extra incentive to uh, to really make work,
0: yeah, yeah, that's cool. I um I certainly have found some pros, you know, out of it. I think connecting with family and, and just sort of, uh, sort of highlighting some of those values that maybe we've we've forgotten about, um, that are important for life. So, I think that's exactly. that's come to the forefront. Um, now, tell us a bit about your background.
1: Yeah, well, most right now I've been working on The Grit Factor and The Grit Institute now for for close to seven years, which is a combination of of, of talking to companies, again, across the country on leadership and grit. But then, you know, about seven, eight years ago, maybe, I had a young woman reach out to me. um, And she reached out to me because I was part of a United States military officer online mentorship program. And I had served after college as one of the first women to fly the Apache helicopter in the US Army. Mm. And as an aviation officer and served on three different continents. And and so she reached out to me uh, and asked if I would help to mentor her as she began her journey. And I immediately said yes, but then I thought, wow, you know, I've been out of the military at that point for, for about 10 years. I've transitioned through an MBA at the Tuck School. I've been working in the corporate world for some time. So how can I scale the advice that I give to her so it's not simply my own experience, which I think is very rich, but also is unique in some regards as the first woman to integrate into an all-male field, uh, but then also scale the people to whom that advice is available. And that really became the genesis of the work that I've been doing lately, which is around leadership and grit and story and really uh, owning your story and finding ways to develop the whole leader in a way that that reinforces this concept of grit which as we 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 all know has been uh, identified as one of the key success factors for success
0: yeah cool well that's the topic i really want to delve into today is is that whole idea of grit um and certainly i'll stick the link uh, in the show notes so anyone listening today there'll be a link in there to to pick up a copy of the grit factor um can you start with the definition of grit
1: yeah, well I'll I'll start with the commonly accepted one because the yep. the research in the space obviously is Angela Duckworth and she's defined it mm. as passion and perseverance towards a long-term goal. And so that is the uh the accepted definition I think in academic circles. I have defined it a bit differently as a dogged determination in the face of difficult circumstances and and in a way, with the times that we're living in right now, when we don't really know what the long term horizon looks like, I think yep. that dogged determination really, at least for me, resonates even more than it did before. So.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I love that. And, and I think it's it's probably something that a lot of us struggle to, to come to terms with is getting, getting grit, I suppose, or having grit. I mean, do you get it? Do you have it? Do you, how do you, how do you establish grit?
1: I- <laughs> That's such a good question, and I get this all the time. Is, and, the, and part of the question is, as I started to work on the, the, what became the Grit Factor, I had no idea it was going to turn into that uh, when I began the project. But I began to interview women in the vanguard of their military field. So these are leaders that happen to be women. And um, there's a number of early general officers, a woman submariner, a combat rescue swimmer, uh, several generations of military pilots, uh, including some of the very most recent attack pilots, that were in the same cohort as I am, and even more recent, and then one of the first women Army Rangers. So this really incredible cohort of leaders, and I hear again and again, and I, um, this I, concern almost that, well, okay, if these people had grit, that's fine, but I don't have grit, or mm. maybe my kids don't, or maybe my team doesn't. And so, does somebody have it internally, or is it something that's they developed? Develop. Yeah. And I, yeah. The answer isn't. Both in this case, because you know, one of the things that's really clear to me after those years in uniform at a time in the corporate world too is that grit is not something that's just for military pilots and big mountain climbers, but it's something that is innate to every single one of us, and it is also just like a muscle. It's something that can be developed as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things in there, um and I, I don't know if, it, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if anything's innate as such. I think we all develop it in some way but we all have the ability to to bring it to the forefront um through our life experiences and your definition of passion and perseverance towards a long-term goal i mean yeah do we need to have like when we you know have grit i mean do we have grit towards everything then in our life if we have grit or do we just have it towards those certain things like you know you might have grit towards a long-term goal of of writing a book or something like that or becoming a speaker um, but you may not towards you know mowing lawns or something.
1: Well, that that's actually a really good point, and and not a question I've heard phrased in quite that way. But I one of the things that I think is really interesting is that we when we learn grit, however it is that we do that through our through our childhood, through sports in many cases, and athletics uh, through. Clearly, the the people that I interviewed for the grit factor are all people that have either innately brought it with them or have learned it in the course of the various challenges that they face. Even if you learn it for one area of your life, it's something that you can draw on for the other areas. It may be yeah. something that you have to more consciously access, right? Because if you if you automatically give yourself up to something for which you're passionate, that's that's great. But maybe there's something that hard and and there's two pieces there. Is one is everything is just hard at some point right there's nothing that is always fun uh, and I think all of us know that in the various journeys that we've been on but the second thing is once you've learned that you can pull that into other areas of your life and that's where for some of my clients and some of the people that I've talked to over the course of many years now I will recommend like if you feel stuck in one area then you can develop grit in another area and then draw from that to pull into the place where you're really feeling stuck. So mm. it does cross apply, but you might have to more consciously access that, I think, at the same time. That
0: kind of makes sense. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I use this podcast as an example and it's it's not the the most popular podcast in the world. Um, and people often ask me, what, what do you do it for? Like, why do you keep doing it? And it's because I have that passion there. I love I love interviewing people like yourself and that's that's allowed me to persevere over the the long term nature because there is that passion behind it. But I mean, if you don't have that passion, there are you going to have that perseverance as well? I mean, the two go hand in hand. It seems to me.
1: Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And I, you know, one of the things that maybe is a helpful thing to understand is is you don't have to have for everything you don't have to have passion for everything and and it it could well be that there are are parts of your life where you say you know what this is not something if it's not necessary I mean if it's necessary then it's necessary and you find a way to do it and if it's not necessary then maybe you say hey this is something I can let go uh, and work on something else where there is more passion so it's a little bit fine line because again all of us are going to get to places where even if you love your your sport you love like in our area we do a lot of there's a lot of nordic skiing and there's several olympians in our area well they're not always going to love what they're doing right i mean Mm. sometimes it's just going to be miserable it's going to be cold and wet and rainy and icy and they're still going to have to go out and train um and that doesn't mean that you should quit skiing but at the same time if you don't have that in a a more holistic and, and maybe broader sense then then maybe it's something that you then it is time to let go
0: yeah, I, um, I think there's a micro sort of, um, you know, focused in version of grit, grit towards a, a, a certain goal, but then the macro yeah. version of that as well is grit in life, you know, it's um, life is hard and, and I think this whole idea of grit can be applied to life in general and if we can take away the same tools that allow us, um, you know, to have that grit on a, a smaller sort of goal and put that into our life, then that's going to certainly help us excel in life.
1: My gosh, that's so true. And I I actually think, too, there's kind of, and I haven't quite parsed this out exactly, but I think there's a couple kinds of grit to your point. And one of them, I mean, maybe there's even three types, but one of them is kind of like mile 23 of the marathon, right? Mile 23 is just awful for, for everybody that runs a marathon. And you just have to get through it. You just have to get through to the end. But there's something else that is this longer term thing and and it really does become part of something that is much more holistic and that's why when I develop training at the grit institute and the the signature course there is going for grit and that very much parallels the book and the phases of the book uh it really is about whole leader training and I think if you have to look at the whole person because that's really that's really how it works it's not just an isolated thing it's really about us as whole people and whole human beings, and maybe there's never a time that we've understood that more than this time that we're living in right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What? Um, so, how do we go about developing grit? What have you learned?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, so, you know, when I was up, I spoke at West Point recently, um, and we talked about how grit is sort of like push-ups, right? Like you train for push-ups by doing push-ups, and you train for grit by doing hard things, um, and so one of the biggest pieces of and this is part of the army's master resilience training program actually it's all based in the positive psychology that comes out of martin seligman's work at the university of pennsylvania and part of it is that you you teach yourself to do hard things by doing other hard things in smaller quantities so you start out with something small and then you increase the difficulty and you increase the difficulty again and so that's really um i think a big piece of it um but there's so many different exercises that really are part of the very specific aspect of building grit. Um, The piece that I really think is important, because I think of that as kind of a phase two piece, when I look at the whole leader training, and I really talk about three phases. The first is really commit, Commit. which is owning your story. It's drilling down to what I like to call core purpose, not just purpose, but the core purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second phase is really building your team, understanding that we don't do it alone, learning to listen, as both an art and a science. Um, and, And then it is building those specific skills related to grit and resilience. And then that last phase is about audacity and authenticity and adaptability. So again, you can build grit in a very specific way for that kind of mile 23 of the marathon. But grit as a whole life concept, like you brought up just a little bit ago, which I think is really, really a thoughtful perspective on it, does require a whole person approach.
0: Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, I mean, we could break that down, really. You commit to a core, you know, an essential purpose. And I guess that's why this show exists because I'm in search of, you know, a greater purpose and finding purpose. And, um, you know, it started with, you know, following passions and things like that. And I, I certainly think whether it's a goal or a life in general, we need to have that, that core purpose under there. How do you go about drawing that out of people?
1: Yeah, that is a good question. Um so... I do a couple of things and I start with, and I really think, I, I think of core purpose as something that you can get to after you start to think about your own story and your own story. So it starts I, with your story. We'll start, I, I think of it as starting with your story. And the reason I'll tell you why. And I think of it as starting with looking back at your life and looking at those circumstances that really are, were challenging to you or really brought you joy, um, places where you had a chance to really develop or chance places where you maybe fell down. And then once you go through and do that work, then I think it's the looking through those aspects of your lifeline, I think of this as a lifeline exercise, and saying, here's my core values that I can see that come out about, what, what are the things that I, these have in common? Hmm. And then you start to start to parse out some core values. And then when we look at purpose, it's interesting. I just thought of this this morning, actually. So this is not in the book. But, uh, you know, there's this a very popular way of talking about purpose as starting with why, right? And yeah. you have to have your why. And I think that's a great place to start, but it's not a great place to end. And most of us end there. Because if you were to end with, like, why am I doing this job in this executive role in this... You know fortune 100 company you you will end up with a reason that you're doing it and you might even come up with something that resembles a purpose but i like to borrow the six sigma technique which is the five whys and that's a way that toyota developed to drill down into the root cause of deficiencies you've probably heard of it but you ask why not one time but five times Hmm. and when you do that you have to get below the surface so it's not just about the specific task it's not just about the specific challenge but it's actually getting down into a purpose that, that is coalescing around those core values. And and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, when I was had just finished my Apache training at uh, Fort Rucker, Alabama, I was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and I was the first woman out of 120 male combat pilots to report. And so I showed up and I was, you know, I was ready to fly and ready to lead and, and Lieutenant typically takes a platoon where you have a chance to use the skills that you've just been trained in. And the idea is that you both demonstrate and develop your leadership in that in that position. Yeah. Well, I was not assigned to a platoon. I was assigned to a staff position, kind of in the back office as the assistant to the assistant operations officer. And I was, I mean, devastated might be a strong word, but I was really disappointed. And I felt like this was evidence of the fact that I wasn't going to get a chance, even though I had performed incredibly well. And, uh, and that the fact that I was a woman wasn't, um, was actually going to continue to be held against me regardless of my performance. And I remember going to the captain that I talked to or that I worked and, and he said, "You know, the army doesn't owe you anything, Lieutenant." And um, and then I finally went to the major that we both worked for and said, "Listen, I'd like to I'd like to take on more responsibility. I'm going to keep doing a great job at what I'm doing, but I want to take on more responsibility." And he was a little bit surprised, but he gave me one additional duty after another, and I made sure that I hit all of them out of the park. And I bring that up because in the course of that year of working in that staff position, mm. it was. Incredibly discouraging because I wasn't doing what I thought I should be doing, what I thought yeah. that I had earned the opportunity to do. And so, if I asked myself, Well, why am I here? You know, what's my why? I would mm. have said, Well, I'm here to fly the Apache. And I didn't have a chance to do that. I had no ability to impact what was happening in that shop. But if I continued to ask myself why and drilled down to that fifth level, so why am I here? I'm here to fly the Apache. Well, I can't really impact that, right? So, and that's really a reason. Um, So I'm there. I'm there to fly the Apache because I've earned the opportunity. Why? Because I've asked for, I've trained. Why? Because I want to serve my country. That's pretty good, right? So then force yourself to drill down to that fifth level. Why? Because I wanted to serve. And ultimately, service is that coalescing purpose in my life that if I look back over my lifeline... Many, many very, very different activities are all connected to this concept of service. And that continues to be really my core purpose in life even today with my a family, with young boys and the work that I'm doing right now in leadership and grit and connecting to others in, in ways that, that are meaningful to them and, and help them develop in their own lives. So mm. so that's that's the story of my drilling down into core purpose. But I do think it's interrogating that why much more deeply than than we're often um than we often do
0: naturally yeah we never give it time we we know we're always surface level you know and i think of that um someone explained it to me once as an iceberg um we just look at what's above the water but most of the iceberg as we know is is under the water um and we never go that deep you know and that's that's exactly where you can find that uh, strength or courage or resilience to to keep moving forward with whatever you're doing even though it might not be something that you're very passionate about or it's something that's kind of dirty or whatever that's where that um that grit comes from I suppose doesn't it that core purpose well no
1: that's exactly that's exactly right and that's 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 how you get through those things that are leading you to something else i mean that the, the <laughs> interval training on the way to the marathon and this is a long time in my past now because my knees are bad but I, but you know the interval training is is miserable, but it's, it's part of the path to this goal that is much bigger. And I think making sure that you do have, you do do that deep work to connect to the core purpose really opens up all kinds of opportunities. And it sounds like that's the kind of work that you're doing too. So I
0: think if you, um, you know, anything in life, as long as we commit to it and keep doing it, it's going to lead us somewhere. Um, and I guess if it's really unnecessary, then maybe we can stop it. But we often, and I'm really guilty of this is I give up too soon. Um, yes. And it's probably because I don't, you know, I get a bit impatient, that's very much me. And I probably don't give it enough consideration to actually what is this, you know, helping me achieve in, in life? What's the bigger picture here? I'm just very much short term focused, And I think that's the world in general.
1: Mm. You're right. We're all we all want a lot more immediate gratification, and that's just simply not how meaningful change happens, and it's not how meaningful contribution happens. And it, there is a real endurance piece that's that's a necessary part of it, absolutely. And mm. it's hard. That's hard.
0: That's a lot. We've got a um, bit of a bad line here. I don't know if it's breaking up your end, but it's cutting out on me sometimes. Hopefully oh, it's, okay. I very <laughs> hopefully well. Hopefully, it's not affecting the uh, the quality guys listening. Um, look, let's look at um, the, the second part to your sort of formula, I guess. I don't know what you call it, but um, you're talking about teams and skills and, you know, we're not in this alone. I think that's a really good point. I mean, um, no one's no one's independent, are they?
1: No, they, I mean, none of us do it alone. It's sometimes, I think, especially for leaders – when I talk to people on the uh, the leadership aspect of grit, it very much feels like a lonely thing. And when we're integrating into new fields, it very much feels like a lonely thing. But yeah, the, the second phase, the first phase is the commit phase. The second phase I, I call learning. And then the learning. third phase I call launch. And in that learning phase, that critical piece really is saying, hey, who's on, who's on my team? Who do I need to have on my team? How can I find those people? And then whose team am I on, right? Because... And it's actually, if you want to look at it selfishly, that's just as important for your career as it is for somebody else's. But also contribution is, is what makes the world go around. And so mm. it really is a team in a very holistic sense as well.
0: Absolutely. What, um, I mean, I think learning is, is critical to anything. It, it reinforces that, that commitment and that purpose, doesn't it? And it's, it's actually it- exciting.
1: It's so exciting. I mean, it, it is, it is. It's, and some of it's the hard work too, right? Because I think the, the building the team, especially for a lot of people who are very, um, very goal oriented. And I imagine you and I, and many of your listeners will relate to this, but you tend to kind of maybe sometimes charge ahead and, and take the reins and, and go it alone. And the reality is you can't sustain it on your own. It's 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 not, frankly, nearly as fun on your own. And, uh, and you really do need to, to have that team there. But that requires some patience and some listening and some understanding. And this is where, when I talk to organizations about diversity, this is where diversity really makes a team much stronger as well. Mm. But then you have to learn to ask questions and then open the space for those answers, and then really allow yourself to receive those answers and and think about them, and and then come back to them. And so that's where both the team and the listening piece it can be more challenging than it sounds. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The um, do you find that you need to like? How, how do? You, what are your techniques to help people through this phase?
1: Well, I, I have a, <laughs> There's a whole system that will be. Um, Available in the book for sure. And it's also in the training going for grit that is looking at the various circles uh, within your, and I kind of think of it almost as a solar system, you know, the different, the people that are your, your intimates, um, mentors, which sometimes is a little bit of a fraught word because it's not often very well understood um, that sometimes will also uh, include, but is separate from sponsors. And then you'll have other people that are a little bit more in the periphery, but are are perhaps colleagues or people in other mm. industries that are also very much a part of of your success. Those are also networks, um, w- whether they're social networks or whether they're professional networks. And so we look at each of those different areas and look at the people that you have in those areas or the people that you want to have and you want to try to develop. And I think. The piece in there that is often most challenging for people is the is mentorship because mentors are hard to find the right fit sometimes and hard to define kind of how that relationship will go and that's really worth it's it's not the focus of the book but it's, we certainly talk about it a little bit um, it's worth developing because I think all of us uh, do better with mentorship and uh, yeah. and, and most of them don't have it. <laughs>
0: We're underutilized, don't we? I, well, I don't really, you know. I guess I've got mentors—people that I listen to and tune into, um, or read, you know, books by and stuff like that. And I guess anyone that you read or learn from is is technically a mentor, isn't it? I mean, is there a definition there, or how do you define what a mentor is?
1: No, I think I think all of that is very true. I think there's—we can learn from from many many people. I think a mentor, in the most ideal sense, is somebody where there is an actual relationship that develops and. You know, it's not um, it's not the kind of a relationship that's like going to your boss and saying, hey, I'm trying to get this done and I need help with these three tactical aspects. But it's more of a relationship where you might be discussing something in a more strategic sense, like I'm thinking about moving into this kind of position. What are some of the things you might think about or what are some of the? So it's kind of a, a more strategic sort of a a discussion I think with a mentor but also the other piece that's not often discussed but but certainly there's excellent research to support is that mentorship is really a reciprocal sort of a relationship it's not a it's not a senior junior sort of a thing or at least it shouldn't be it should be something where people are learning from each other and that might be something where uh, either person might say hey I came across this article and this related to our conversation and I was wanted to send this on so it's really something where people are committed to each other's development um, mm-hmm. there typically is somebody more senior or more experienced than somebody more junior. But but if you really do it right, I think that power dynamic has to be managed in a way where, where the relationship can be relatively on equal terms. And- each person understands that they can learn from the other. So that's really ideal. And that requires a personal connection more than it does, um, you know, a lot of mentorship programs will match up two women, for example, and say, uh, hey, you know, go to it. And and oftentimes they, they may not be good personal matches. And so there's a great example in the grit factor, actually, of uh, Major General Don Dunlop. and Yeah. As a White House fellow, she was assigned to another woman and officer. And she said, you know, we just didn't really have anything in common. But she then made contact with uh, this other person named Marsh Carter, who's a professor at MIT. And they really clicked because they both flew. And he'd been at um, Purple Heart in Vietnam and had, you know, run State Bank for some time. And yeah. anyway, they, they connected personally. And I think it's that personal relationship that really had them both invested in each other's success. And that's really ideal. Um, And again, something that's hard to find sometimes.
0: Yeah. Is it, I mean, how many mentors do you have in life? I mean, is it, is it for different aspects of your life that you sort of find mentors?
1: (laughs) That's a very, I I think the answer is yes, absolutely for different
0: aspects
1: Mm. of your life. So for sure, somebody that is going, and I, I don't know that I've had professional mentors really and i would like to have had and i think there's a number of the folks the leaders that i interview that will talk about wishing that they had had mentors and others that will have talked about benefiting from mentors so i think those of us who didn't have specific people um yeah wish that we did and others others benefited but i certainly will say that in other aspects of life whether it's as a you know, as a as a mom, uh, there is I can think of one or two people that I can talk to and say, "Hey, I'm I'm struggling with this. What do you What do you think?" And, yeah. uh, and they they act as mentors, people, and I people think people you that's bounce a, off. Yeah. It, yeah,
0: I mean, it's, it's a, a two way street for the mentor relationship as well. It's not just necessarily you know someone guiding you all the time, but you actually giving a bit back to them.
1: Exactly, that's that's ideal, right? Is it's a true relationship. It's not a one-way street and, and no relationship that successful ever is, right?
0: Yeah, cool. I like it. What's the um, last phase? Adaptability? No, what did you call it?
1: Yeah, the last phase is launch because, uh, of course, we're talking about I, I like all my aviation metaphors. Uh, and, um, And the, the, the three big pieces are kind of three A's and uh, one is audacity. And audacity is being willing to take risks and understanding that failure, uh, as Churchill said, is not final. I like to say that it's not failure that matters. It's what you do with it that counts. But that's very much that risk taking and that willingness to face failure is very Mm. much part of the path to any success. And that's audacity. Then authenticity. And I think authenticity, um, especially for women leaders, but I think this is true for anybody going into a new culture, can be really tough because it's not sustainable to lead in a place where you're not able to be yourself. And that's where I think understanding that in order to bring your greatest contributions, you have to really truly be who you are. Um, So that's authenticity. And then the last piece is adaptability. And wow, like today is maybe the time where we've never needed that more. And understanding that, um, that that we can get through change and, and that you have to, not look at that as an obstacle so much as stay connected to core purpose and be willing to pivot as you need Mm.
0: to. I love those three A's. I think they're they're just so bloody powerful, aren't they?
1: They are right. And, And they're all hard. I mean, they're all in a way, they're less tactical than, than the previous two phases. And I think that's what makes it more challenging is that they're a little bit more amorphous and, um, but they're, they are absolutely critical to success ultimately.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's brilliant. I just love them. I think they're three great words that you could write on your wall and look at every day and go, you know, that's the three things that I need to to push through and, and make success of this, whatever this is.
1: Absolutely. No, absolutely.
0: Love it. I um, I want to encourage everyone to um, jump online and get a copy of the book, The Grit Factor. So it's going to be available on the website in the show notes for this uh, episode. Um, so that'll be at thehiddenwide.com. How can people uh, best reach out to you, Shannon?
1: Yeah, thanks, Lee. I, I'm at shannonpulson.com. I'm also the uh, the person that you'll get a hold of at thegritinstitute.com if you're looking the at the training going for grit, which is very much uh, hand goes hand in hand with the grit factor. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at a border life and Instagram at a border life and Facebook at Shannon Huffman Poulsen. So I'd love to see you. At- any of those places linkedin at shannon h polson and that's probably my favorite place to hang out
0: so cool thanks for coming on
1: well, thanks so much for having me wonderful to talk to you and thanks for your outstanding work in the world it's really a pleasure to be part of it
0: thank you so much Shannon. and guys check it out the hidden until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwhy.com. Just enter your email address there. And also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwhy.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there. Um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link, and helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got to deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there, breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Manuzzi. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.